Hi guys, my name's Liz and this is Hamdia um, and it's Diversified Nature and we're coming back to you with another podcast. <laughs> so, whilst Please Hamdia just composed herself. So basically we're sitting in, we're sitting in Woodbury Wetlands which oh is a gosh. nature reserve uh, by a manor house and we're recording oh. our second podcast of a four podcast series. Um, we basically, we went out um, and interviewed a lot of people around Manor House Station and in other areas from our friends and we asked them a few questions about how they feel about nature and stuff. Um, so we're just going to go over some of the answers about one, our second question that we asked the public. Natural England report basically stated that BAME individuals access 60% less the natural environment than white individuals and out of that 40% who live in urban deprived areas access the natural environment less. When we asked people um, why, you know, they think that why was. do you think it was? What are the boundaries? What is everything happening? If For you those that don't know, BAME means black, Asian, minority, ethnics. So, yeah, we're going to go through some of the answers and we're going to have a little bit of a think of why it might, might be. The natural environment, I think, is accessed less by the BAME community because... The funding's not there after school or high school unless like you've got you've developed an interest um do through your formative education um in animals and animal conservation and protecting the planet and protecting animal habitats unless you've really developed an interest in it you don't usually go on to study at college and therefore the trip stops your parents in general don't earn enough, so they haven't got the finances to be going to taking you to nature, taking you out of the city. People from those communities have other issues to deal with. Like The environment isn't their first um, concern. I feel like the issues they face are so multifaceted. That's, it's like the environment is an afterthought, and that's valid. I think that the natural environment is accessed less by black and Asian minority ethnic groups because um, potentially uh, their culture isn't advertised in social media or on the television, um, in as in for them being in those environments and doing those outdoor recreational activities. Maybe potentially that the percentages of people from black, Asian and minority ethnic groups are usually in um, urban environments and potentially deprived of urban environments as well, um, with the statistics being 40% um, from that of above. Um, being in that environment, they may feel like it's um, an expense that they don't deem necessary going out into the environment. People from black, Asian and minority ethnic communities access the natural environment less because generally people tend to immigrate into urban areas and bit hard to get out into the countryside where people think that nature is from the city and people don't realise how much nature and wild space there is in cities so people don't go there. A lot of people said backgrounds so coming from a cultural background or background that isn't from England um, that might influence why you don't access the natural environment. Mm, I don't know. I kind of get that because how do you feel, Hamdia? Your parents are from Somaliland, so 
like how do they see nature how do they how have they like influenced your thoughts of nature one thing i will say is um when you're from a different country that's not the uk like your parents they've lived different lives mm. to you um one example is um somali's reaction to dogs mm. i think that's a very famous famous one and uh basically they're just terrified of dogs all somali's are terrified and uh, I think that's because in Somaliland, the wild dogs are terrifying. Mm. Like they're feral, they'll, they'll be white hunting you. you. They're hunting they will, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They will like remove legs. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And they come to England with that same fear. So I guess it's just like what you what you don't know. It's just what you what you don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's like my dad as well. Yeah, Malaysia. You only get a dog, right? You only get a dog if it's for a guard dog. You're not getting it for a pet. Literally. Yeah, you're not it's getting so a pet. different. And then they come to this country and then they see literally like all these people with pet dogs, like mm-hmm. loving them and just having them in their home. And it just it's sort of freaky to them. It's it's brand new. Yeah. And they sort of like me as a kid, I was terrified of dogs. Mm. I think that was because my parents were like it sort of went in the chain. Do you know mm. what I mean? I see my my mom going stay away from dogs so of course I'm going to stay so, so where other away people, yeah. from them so where other people would be like oh I'm going to go get a dog and I'm going to walk my dog in the park and be outside and yeah. stuff you think oh there's going to be loads of dogs in the park so maybe I won't go there exactly and we're just we're not on it yeah like I guess it's the same with like um, like muds and like insects and stuff like that a lot of kids if if you see their parents are scared of um insects and stuff or their friends are scared of insects it's also like a social thing you can see their reaction is completely different to someone else i see it a lot like when i'm leading sort of classes a lot of the kids when they're scared of bugs it just takes you know a few like are you sure like, mm. just a little just to tempt them but whenever they see their adults or you know their caretakers sort of getting freaked out themselves they will completely run away mm. and it's because of that connection that the kids have with adults that makes See, that's mean. Of... There's never, there's never a kid that actually doesn't like nature or being outside. Mm. It's purely what they're just used to, what they grow up seeing. Mm. So you teach Especially. them, and they're a bit scared, they're a bit weary, mm. and then like after just, like ten minutes, yeah. they'll be their hands will be in the mud. You, you know have what to mean? tell them like, don't be scared, because if you're scared and you're the adult here, they're going to be like, clearly there's a reason that I have to be scared of this, like being outdoors or being near wildlife yeah so i think like culture and background has a bit of an influence but also people come from yeah but people also come from countries where there's so much wildlife yeah and i think it's also just that opportunity to kind of interact with it that we're kind of missing it's yeah but all kids want to so i think i don't know when you see reports and it's like uh i don't know bane backgrounds are just less engaged with the environment or whatever it's because there's no it's also a bit unfair yeah it's a bit unfair clubs anything youth groups i don't know there's just nothing available you know environmental wise for the bane community i mean look at london yeah if you, if you went to school in london right you're coming to and from school and you're getting bus home and you might live in an estate where are you seeing any nature in that Nowhere. process maybe pigeons a few pigeons here and there i mean this is what maybe that kid's seen if you're lucky that's what i mean this kid we just met a kid today who just saved a pigeon down by um, Finsley Park Bridge underneath the station. And he's always picking them up there. But that's what I mean. That's the only interaction people get with animals unless they go out and of their pigeons way. pigeons as well are yeah. seen as like dirty creatures. That's like what I mean. vermin yeah. spread disease. So, you know, that's like the biggest, one of the biggest examples of what Londoners, no, the BAME community see wildlife as. Just mm. complete like dirt ridden, just full of diseases don't go near them 
So of course we're gonna yeah. not want to interact with them if that's the first thing we're sort of taught. We gotta like wildlife. remember that we've come into their environment. Do you know what I mean? Like pigeons aren't dirty. Yeah, by they're, the not way. Dirty. they're not that dirty. They're like, not that dirty. Lie. I've touched a pigeon. <laughs> I didn't die. I did wash my hands thoroughly <laughs> after. <laughs> thoroughly, because I got still. scared. I got scared. I got scared. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, me too. I washed. I washed my hands. Bare. Was it the one outside? Yeah, I, I touched didn't want to go near it. Had like poo. I touched it. You know. Oh, he was picking off the poo as well. I know. I was like, oh my god, but I didn't wash it. It was black when I came off. Like the oh. dirt was running off my hands. But p- pigeons aren't dirty. Of information and also distance. Um, I don't think fame communities are that huge in close proximity to natural environments in the UK. This might be ignorant, but I think that's the case. Because whenever I found myself in those spaces, I didn't see people that looked like me around the vicinity just as residents. Just the lack of like familiarity and just the misconception of what it's like to be in a you know natural environment. You don't you might like people might not feel like they belong there, and that might be the main reason why they they wouldn't use those spaces. Most of the um, BAME communities are in concentrated areas such as London, so cities. So we're not really used to like natural environment or we don't have much access to it either. Just a cheeky local park, like it's not it's not natural enough. I feel like the fact that most BAME community individuals live in um, areas where they don't have access to conservation areas so a lot of people said that BAME communities happen to live in urban deprived environments so if you weren't part of the 60% you're going to be part of the 40% or or if not both so it just kind of increases your risk of not interacting with the or your statistics with with the environment which is kind of true especially because a lot of people that live in London they're either first or second generation immigrants Mm, and we have to sort of dive into the reason why that is mm. you don't really see a lot of like people of color outside of cities because it's just safer i mm. guess in cities you know when you're surrounded by people that look like you especially in, like small small cities i'm not saying that all cities are like that and everything but you know it's just it's, it's safety in numbers yeah, is what course. it is and it's always communities you know, and the thing is the more people there are in a city you know the less likely there's going to be like wild spaces for wildlife so it's just it's just it's one of those i think you just had to pick yeah and also like a lot of like council houses they're all just stacked up they're stacked up in it just thinking of like gray Mm. concrete no grass someone basically allowed council housing to be bought at one point which was good which was good but also people sold them and suddenly, you know, we're, we're, we live in a place where we lack enough good council housing. We do. And suddenly we've got less of it because of the space and the restriction. Because every, everyone's buying. There's so many property owners and people buying out spaces because they know how much value there is in London property and London land. So it's like all the people that are marginalised and people that are most vulnerable to being exploited get pushed to the edges and they get the worst conditions just because, you know, the economy is unfair. It's unfair. So that's why people live in, like, huge blocks or, like, you know, you get these tiny, dingy, like... Like, I've seen pictures of literally rooms 
you know, rooms and they call it a council flat. So of course someone's going to be more worried about the other pressures of life and, you know, not be thinking, oh, I wonder if there's a park near for my kid to go to, you know, mm. if that's all you can get. And mm. people are on lists for ages, you know. Yeah, so there was like one guy in particular that we interviewed outside Manor House Station. He said something really interesting. It that was his birthday. Also. It was his birthday. Shout out to you, mate. What was his name again? I can't remember what his name was, but oh, it was only from a uh, Eastern Europe somewhere. Yeah. So really? he had emigrated yeah, from Eastern Europe somewhere. Bless him. And he just said that you know, as an immigrant, he just feels like they've got you've got more more on your mind to yeah. be sorting out. You've got more priorities because you've just got a lot of just have money on your mind and not in like. You know, like the I was gonna say fifty cent, but he's yeah, not rich. Money he's money. not rich anymore. <laughs> What's, who's rich? Gucci Mane, like just that kind of money on my mm. mind. It's not like that. It's just literally, I need money to put food on the table. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not like this. It's not this clout chasing yeah. money. It's not clout chasing. It's just food. If no one knows what clout and is, rent and yeah, oh. people have this idea that young people, especially from BAME backgrounds, even though we haven't emigrated here, we, we were born in this country. They've got this idea that we're only out here for the flashy life that media has lulled us into this idea that is that that's life money 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 you know mm. so, working three jobs you yeah. know just to have a roof over your head that's a bit mad but that's life for a lot of people that's reality in communities yeah. it's just reality and like the so where's the time in going to um, mm. little reserves to look at birds that's where's lovely time? it's lovely <laughs> if, but if you're juggling three jobs it's just Mm-mm. plain unrealistic nah which brings us to actually the race wage gap which is a real thing so, um, Britain is home to 1.9 million black, Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, and other minority workers, right? But The Guardian has recently posted an article stating that ethnic minorities are missing out on £3.2 billion a year on wages compared to white, um, white individuals. Upsetting. Which is ridiculous, especially when you think about the graduates, how many BAME oh, graduates, sad. you know? Like me and you, right? We're, we're BAME graduates, but yeah. this is this is our statistic. You know what I mean? That's why I didn't want to hear it. Yeah. Yet you just keep repeating it for some reason. <laughs> but it's like this is what it is, and it's just how can you expect people to be interested in you know accessing the environment and living a good life in London when they can't afford to put food on the table? You Literally, know? imagine being not even being paid the full amount just because of you know the colour of your skin and where you're from like imagine yeah because people that's the kind of life it is in London in I 50s, feel like the, the what's the gender pay wage pay gap has got I mean, a lot more was, attention yeah, than what this has and I didn't even realise literally if you think about graduates in just terms of male and female graduate for statistics right so out of the men Pakistani and Bangladeshi are 12, 12 they earn 12% less per hour than a white person, a white That's male. insane. And a black woman is the highest um, I don't know. difference. <laughs> I know. Nine percent. Nine percent less than a white female. Nine percent. Graduate. This is at a graduate level. So these people are educated. They're really trying to get a job in their industry or trying to make it somewhere. Obviously, if you went to university, and it's just ridiculous that there's actually this kind of gap. Imagine you're paid like. Two to three, about two pounds less an hour than you're actually worth. And I think people have this idea that, I don't know, maybe BAME communities aren't worth, they've got this idea of immigration being, you know, because obviously people immigrated to this country and they worked on these grinding levels, like they were grinding. I think with the government especially, they, yeah. love, they love things like this. They're like, oh, why don't um, people of colour like 
the environment. Mm. It's like, listen, how about yeah. you fix poverty first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fix, fix these problems before you start thinking about all these, you know, these wide assumptions. Everything, all the causation for everything, every output. They're just acting blind. Yeah, literally acting blind. Because there's smart people sitting there. And if, 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 you know, the public are reading articles on this and we're informing ourselves, then how the hell they must, they must know. Finances really just affect everything else. And as I said, if you never see yourself um, in the media and on television as an environmentalist or a conservationist in any sense, you maybe don't think it's for you. It could also be like internal boundaries, so psychological and emotional boundaries, because as I've said earlier, they may feel that because they haven't seen people from their ethnicity in the outdoors, they don't maybe don't have friends from their ethnicity pursuing the activities or going out and doing things that they wouldn't usually consider doing as in outdoor activities. I also think there is a lack of representation. So as for boundaries, they are distant um time i don't know our parents don't put a uh, great emphasis on nature and all that aspect so i think that's why there's there's a lack of interest in us exploring it visiting wanting to know more okay number four last point <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the random <laughs> you're like laughing isn't it <laughs> number right. four number four so a lot of people said that access and distance is a big issue um that many natural environments, say you've got a park or something, parks are usually in nice areas unless you live next to some dingy park, unless you live next to, like, you know, Turnpike Lane Common, like I do. <laughs> That's not, like, a chill park. Um, no, but the parks in London are pretty tiny. They're, like, really, really small yeah. anyway. They're or trying to make the ones. best... Oh, yeah, and Regent's Park. Yeah, Who's but going to travel? Yeah. It's just, it's too long. Well, you've got, like, Greenwich Park. Greenwich is quite big and stuff like that, and, like, Hyde Park. But they're usually... In quite privileged areas because I'm thinking Hyde Park, Regent's Park. Yeah, but there's, there's other ones like you know Greenwich, Holland Park. Yeah, and distance, distance is true because you you know what I've you've heard got, a lot of people say. Distance. Yeah, you've got no time, right? So if you want to go to the park, a lot of people don't have gardens, and I didn't realize how much of a privilege it was to have a garden until like yeah, that's true actually. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't have mm. until like last year when I used to go to my ex's flat. And there was, like, no garden, nothing. Like, it was all concrete. So it'd be, like, a sunny day, right? And you'll be sitting in your flat. And you'll think, I really want to be outside. Okay, where's the nearest place? I don't have a garden. Where's the nearest place? And if that place is far, and you've got work in the evening, mm. or you, you have work and you literally have half an hour off, you're not going to go for a walk in the park. You're not going to go around a nature reserve because it's not there. You'll be too far away. Mm. I think it works kind of the same way of time, innit? Lack of time, no more time. I guess it's travel as well, though, because travel costs money. You know what I mean? There we go. And now we're back. And we're back. It's like this cycle. Cycle. It's like the same. Was it three? Was it uh, distance, Mm. time, money? Mm. Those three. We just keep, for some reason, every time we say, we sort of talk talk about something, we always end up on those three points. So it comes back down to like. Distance, time, money. There's a lot of people. Yeah, I'm not going to shout out names. But there's a lot of companies and stuff that are trying to outreach to um, minority communities and stuff and change their perceptions of the environment and stuff like that, right? Mm. But this is what kind of like people start to understand that it's not just about teaching people what, what nature is. It's not about 
it, it helps, right? It helps to reach out to people. Hands down, it's an amazing thing to do. Yeah. But it also comes down to all these social issues that we're facing nowadays. It's not. It's not just the finished building. There's a the whole yeah. concrete that's been mislaid. Exactly. From God knows where. I feel where. like that's what they're doing now. They're just designing the aftermath of you know all these plans that they haven't even accomplished you know what i mean it makes no and it's sense a lazy it's a lazy way out as well because instead of targeting the route being like listen we're gonna get rid of we're gonna start putting in um you know uh, what's it called when you monitor your ethnic diversity and how much people are getting paid we're gonna put in these reinforcements we're gonna make it easier for people to live in london mm. we're gonna build affordable housing what you mean like it's easier to say it than do it yeah so it's they'll, they'll say these things they won't even say these things they'll, they'll rather say oh, you know what, we'll create schemes for people to get more involved in. But really, if you don't tackle the core issues exactly. with those you know, schemes in place, it's, nothing's going to happen, nothing's going to change. Mm. 